and welcome to Hacker Public Radio. This is your host, LL, and today I'm going to be talking about spug guns. This is my first time doing a show, actually, so hello, everyone. I just started listening to Hacker Public Radio a month or two ago, and very impressed with it. And so I thought I'd contribute something back. I think everyone knows what a spug gun is, but in case you don't, a spug gun is a homemade weapon used for launching potatoes for fun, or some air-powered ones are used for launching t-shirts into crowds at events, or hot dogs, or other promotional things, and the Amphema actually uses them for testing buildings for tornado resistance. They don't get tornadoes certified until they can withstand a 2x4 launched out of a air-powered um, not a spug gun, but something based on the same design until they can withstand that being fired at their walls. So, first of all, as with anything like this, you don't you didn't think you could escape a disclaimer, did you? Well, the following is not a really professional one. It's just one that I made up, but I think you'll get the point. The following information is for informational purposes only and does not pretend to be complete or accurate. None of the materials used are recommended by their manufacturer for the purpose they are being put to. Failure, malfunction, or misuse of the project can result in injury or death, and so neither I nor Hacker Public Radio can take responsibility for damage to person or property caused by this information or the use of it. If you do go against my advice here and build a spug gun, please go first to one of the resources that I'm going to give you and get detailed and complete visual plans and information. This is important because, as with anything visual or mechanical, it's kind of hard to figure out exactly how to do something by a description. You know, how how big is this? Does it go here or there? And it's a lot easier just going from a picture rather than from a description. Same as it's kind of hard to remember all the commands and a command of the week or something from a description, so it's put into the show notes. Also, where I live, it you can do anything you want with spug guns, but that's not true around the world. So you're responsible for finding out what your local laws are in regard to them. Some places go all out and just let you do anything like where I live while others totally outlaw them or place a restriction on the total energy of the projectile or make you get an actual firearms license to possess and use these or any combination thereof. So you've got to find out what your laws are before trying to use this. I mentioned that in making a spug gun you are using materials in a way not recommended by manufacturers. The biggest place where this is the case is in the use of PVC pipe. Most spug guns are built out of PVC tubing. A couple are built out of aluminum pipe or even copper pipe, though that's pretty expensive, or steel pipe if you can find it and work it. But PVC is the very much most used material with um, ABS plastic also being used. The biggest problem with PVC is that 
when it fails, catastrophically fails, as in explodes, it sends out a lot of shrapnel. So, be warned. There are two basic types of spud guns. There's the combustion-powered one and the compressed gas-powered one. Combustion is the simplest, so I'll talk about that first. There are three basic parts to a combustion spud gun. There's the barrel, section of PVC pipe, the combustion chamber, larger section of PVC pipe, and the igniter, which is either a flint type removed from a lantern or bought new as a lantern igniter replacement, or there is the piezoelectric type, such as is found in barbecue grills. Both of them work, both of them are used. The flint igniter is easier to work with, but the piezo one is easier to use once you have it mounted, because it's a simple push of a button rather than spinning a knob. With a combustion spud gun, the propellant is generally the aerosol from a can of deodorant or hairspray. If you look around on the internet, you'll find RightGuard recommended, RightGuard deodorant, as a very good and possibly the best propellant for a combustion spud gun. Well, besides propane and stuff like that, but we'll get into that later. But apparently, from what I've read, it has been reformulated in such a way that it is no longer flammable, or the aerosol isn't flammable anymore, which you aren't actually using the deodorant product. That is you know, pretty much wasted money as far as spud guns are concerned. What you're after is the propellant gases that shoot it out of the can. These are a mixture of highly flammable gases such as propane, methane, butane, stuff like that. So when they're mixed with air, they burn pretty well. Actually, kind of fun thing to do to prove this to yourself is you take a candle light it, and making sure you're somewhere that you don't have anything that you want to burn up anywhere near. Take the candle and you take a can of Aquanet hairspray or something like that and spray it over the top and you'll get this nice, like, not a blowtorch. Blowtorch is mixed in such a way that it burns really clean, but this really noisy and um, exciting flame shooting out of the end of your can of hairspray or whatever. So, deodorant or hairspray is used as fuel. Of course, oxygen in the air around us is the oxidizer. One other interesting thing to note with combustion spud gun fuels is that when you're buying deodorant or hairspray, more expensive isn't better. Actually, the cheaper the better because, well, like I said, you're after the aerosol, not the actual product. Now, before we move on from combustion spud guns, I'm going to give you the basic plans for building one, as far as I can convey them over the air. Again, these are for informational purposes only, but I would just like to demonstrate how ridiculously simple it is to build a combustion spud gun. What you need, following the plans that I have from the book Backyard Ballistics, is as follows. 36 inch length of 2 inch PVC pipe, 14 inch length of 3 inch PVC pipe for the combustion chamber, 3 inch to 2 inch 
reducer to go between the barrel and the combustion chamber and a three inch coupling uh, with one side threaded so that's basically a thing that sticks onto the end of the three inch chamber which is threaded to take a end cap which is the last item or the last PVC item a three inch diameter threaded end cap you also need a spiker assembly which can either be flint or piezoelectric. To assemble these components you cut the PVC to the length specified, prime and glue the ends as per good PVC solvent welding practices and you take and file around the end of the barrel. Basically put a, an edge on the end of the barrel. The reason you do this is this is called a potato knife so when you take a potato it's of course not going to fit exactly in the barrel, but if it's a little bit bigger, you push it down on this sharp end of the barrel and it will cut off the excess potato and leave you with a perfect plug already in the barrel and ready to be rammed home. So you solvent weld this, let it set for 24 hours, and one other good idea is, I mentioned that when PVC pipe fails, it creates shrapnel. I haven't done any testing to find out what actually happens, whether this actually helps anything, but it seems a good idea to wrap it with some sort of tape, such as, say, mailing tape or duct tape, to kind of contain it and give added strength to the barrel. At least I've done this with all spud guns that I've built so far. I know people who haven't, and they've been just fine, so just an added precaution. Another thing to watch out for with PVC pipe is you don't want to get cellular wall PVC pipe. This is kind of a insulated PVC. It has this kind of foam stuff in between two layers of hard PVC. And though I've used a gun that has, that is built with this, I've heard that it will fail eventually. And it's really not a good idea to use this, especially since it's more expensive and worse at the same time. So... Once you have this built and cured, the operation is as follows. You procure a bag of potatoes that are at least two inches in diameter and a can of, say, Aquanet hairspray. Like I said, right guard was preferred when you could still get the flammable type, especially because it doesn't gum up your gun like Aquanet does or like hairspray does. But right now, hairspray is probably one of your better bets. Though, of course, with what these different things cost, experimentation is pretty easy and cheap. So you take the hairspray, you spray it in, counting to two or three seconds to get the proper amount in. If you get too much in, you can just air it out. If you get too little in, same thing. And then you screw in the cap quickly before the gases can flow out and twist the well, it's not so much a twist, it's like a flick. Just um, spin the igniter as fast as you can, assuming that you've used a flint igniter. And that will create a big shower of sparks inside the chamber, and hopefully a miniature explosion, which will send your potato flying through the air. You don't have to restrain yourself to potatoes either. I've heard of limes being used. I personally used apples, which seems like a sad waste of such a good fruit, but if you have a tree of wild apples growing around your place, they might actually be easier and cheaper to get than potatoes. The 
origins of spud guns have never been really found out. It's such a simple thing that when a person made the breakthrough, he probably didn't even think about writing it down. But from all that I've heard, probably the first projectile used in a weapon which would be recognizable as a spud gun would be a tennis ball, which also work well if you can find the right size pipe. Okay, so that's the combustion spud gun. The second major type is the air-powered one. These have the same type of barrel as a combustion gun, but rather than an attached and directly linked combustion chamber, they have a sealed air chamber, compressed air chamber made out of PVC pipe, and generally mounted underneath or next to the barrel rather than in line with it. This is pressurized through a snifter valve or something like that, and either an air compressor or a bicycle pump, though it takes quite a lot of pumping to pressurize them with a bike pump. The real trick to building one is figuring out how to get all of the air that you've pressurized into the barrel before the spud leaves it. The simple, easy-to-build ones generally use like a ball valve which you turn yourself but this only has moderate flow rate and it doesn't turn on that fast. Another step up from that is using a sprinkler valve from an automatic sprinkler system. These work by having a diaphragm placed sideways in the valve which is put in such a way it has a small hole through it that pressurizes uh, the section behind the diaphragm and keeps it not actually pushed by the pressure onto the mouth of the pressure pipe leading into it, but um, it keeps it so that the pressure is the same on both sides so that the little bit of spring to the rubber keeps it shut. And then normally a solenoid opens up and lets the pressure out from behind that diaphragm so the high pressure will blow the valve out of the way and go into the spud gun. But generally you want to modify this kind of valve with some sort of larger, higher flow rate thing so that it depressurizes instantly as soon as you hit whatever trigger you've rigged up. When I've seen one of these, it was hooked up with a cleaning attachment for air compressor cemented into the top of the valve. The solenoid taken all the way out, a hole drilled in the top of the valve, and a cleaning head for air compressor equipped with a pop valve set up to release the air, which is actually a really nice setup because this kind of uh, head already has a trigger on it. So you have a trigger, even though it's not mounted in the traditional firearms orientation. So a sprinkler valve is a step up from the ball valve, but still the air is going around two or three 90 degree bends and so creates quite a bit of turbulence and it's not the highest flow rate valve, but it's probably your best choice for building a basic one. Now, of course, there's plans out there for air-powered spud guns, so I'm not going to give you a whole another set of plans, but this is definitely the next step up from a combustion-powered spud gun. The advantages of air-powered ones are you can do such things as having two pressure chambers where you have a large pressure chamber that you fill up as far as you dare, and then a smaller one which you can fill for each shot out of that, so that if you're using it for a t-shirt launcher, say, you can do multiple shots without having to go back to the air compressor. And you definitely want to use an air-powered one for a t-shirt launcher. You don't really want to shoot burning t-shirts into your audience. 
And another advantage is that they don't get all gummed up from the actual product of hairspray and stuff. They stay nice and clean because, well, air is pretty clean compared to hairspray. And also, they don't rely on a potato or something like that sealing the end. They still get pressurized even without a complete seal, unlike combustion-powered ones where if you don't ha- if you have something that's kind of loose in the barrel, all the gases will kind of flow out and around it and you can't really achieve anything useful with it. Um, so you can launch stuff that is smaller than your barrels. And I've heard of people launching, say, golf balls a long ways with these and um, all sorts of other interesting stuff. So it really opens up your range of projectiles. For starting out, I would definitely recommend building either a combustion or airport spud gun. But if you want to go beyond that, there are many different fields of experimentation. One of the ones that I find kind of interesting is the hybrid spud gun. In this, you take and put a burstable membrane across the top of the combustion chamber in a combustion spud gun, and then you mix up an ideal mixture of air and the fuel, generally propane, since that is easily metered and doesn't have the problems of hairspray and stuff like that. You mix those up and you actually pressurize them so that when you fire it, there is a lot more energy per cubic inch, and so you can achieve higher muzzle velocities that way. You can also build miniature spug guns, which is a really good idea if you live in a city where you don't want to be breaking windows or knocking people's walls down and stuff. And one of the resources that I'm going to list, and which is going to be in the show notes, gives the plans for building a tiny spug gun, which is a little bit more difficult to operate, but it's still fun and you can shoot little bits of potato all over the place, make a big mess with it. Another way to go is to make huge spud guns. Uh, another of the resources that I'm going to list, spudtech.com, is the place that sells air cannons to FEMA for testing the tornado proofness of structures, and they build this huge one that launches a 2x4 at over 100 miles an hour, which, yeah, that's really crazy. Also, people have experimented with firing spud guns or firing spuds out of cannons with dry ice bombs, which is another type of bursting valve. This isn't really recommended because you can have hang fires and misfires at rather inopportune moments, but it's quite spectacular from the videos I've seen. As I mentioned before, you can step up your fuels to propane rather than the aerosols of spray cans. This is more consistent, easier to work with once you've got the tools and provides a little bit more bang. Also, you can build a breech-loading spud gun, which basically has, in one design that I've seen, has the barrel extend right through the firing chamber come out the back of the gun just covered by a cap and have the potato knife on this end so you take the cap off shove the potato onto the potato knife and then spray whatever you're using for fuel in and shut it up and you don't even have to set it down on its rear which is really nice 
makes it a lot easier to use it. And, of course, you don't have to have a calibrated broomstick or whatever to make sure that you've got the potato at the right point. Um, another thing that I saw on this design was a mixing fan inside the chamber, which helps air out the chamber quicker after shots and make sure that all of the fuel is mixed together each shot, which is really cool. Now, I've mentioned several times that I was going to give you some resources to find out more about this subject, so here they are. Most of these sites also include plans for building your guns, and like I said, I'd rather you got your plans from these than from this show. So, first one is spudtech.com. I'm not going to spell them out because they're going to be in the show notes. So, spudtech.com is about the biggest potato gun website on the internet. The proprietor sells a whole bunch of different models of spud guns from the $45 simulator, which is actually a really incredible price. That's its price at the time of recording. Um, that's, of course, without shipping, but I don't think you could find a better price anywhere. Well, actually, the proprietor says that you can't find a better price anywhere that he's aware of. That is also the shop that makes the $3,500 Mega Launcher 2 for testing buildings for tornado resistance. The second site is spudfiles.com. This is more of a forums type of site. I haven't been around it much, but it looks like there is a whole ton of information and cool pictures and videos of everything from semi-automatic launchers to reviews of commercial launchers and all that sort of interesting stuff. Then another one is advancedspuds.com, which site includes a lot of different interesting articles about variables that you can change different fuels that you can use, ignitions, and something about the theory of spud guns. So actually that's the kind of site that I really like to read. Also, I mentioned the book which I was giving the plans from earlier on in the show. These are the plans which I built my first spud gun from, and the book is Backyard Ballistics by William Gerstel. Uh, G-U-R-S-T-E-L-L-E. I hope that's pronounced right. Printed in 2001 by Chicago Review Press, Incorporated. And this is actually a really cool book. William Gerstel has written several interesting books, including another that I have, Building Bots, about building fighting robots. Um, Back Air Ballistics includes not only plans for a uh, spud gun, combustion spud gun. It contains plans for a uh, pneumatic spud gun, match rockets. You can actually make a miniature rocket out of paper matches and aluminum foil, hydro pump rockets, Cincinnati fire kite, miniature catapult, tennis ball mortar, all sorts of other interesting stuff. So I highly recommend this book especially since it has complete plans for all of the stuff which it discusses. Now, I guess you could take this either as, like, cautionary or amusing, but I decided I'd close out the show with a couple of stories which were posted up on spudtech.com. Um, yeah, definitely cautionary. I find them funny. Most of them probably funny after the fact, which is the way a lot of this stuff is. 
First one is by a guy who calls himself Papa Smurf. He writes, Oh yeah, I have a story to tell you, and maybe you can put this on your site to warn people not to make the same mistake I did. When constructing my first gun, I couldn't get enough spark from the barbecue igniter to light the fuel. I did as recommended, spray for one to two seconds when I opened the back of the chamber to let air it air out while I rewired my barbecue igniter. While I was doing this, I still had a spud in the barrel and the butt of the gun was pointing up. About ten minutes had gone by. I put the barbecue igniter back on the gun. Now, I figured that since I left the back of the gun open for about ten minutes that all the fuel would have been gone. Well, I was wrong, because when I put the barbecue igniter on it, looked down inside to see if it would spark, and I hit the button. Boom! I was very lucky not to have gotten seriously injured. My eyebrows and eyelashes were a total loss, and my bangs are extremely short now, and I had some burns on my nose and under my eyes and forehead. The lesson here is to never think that all the fuel is gone from your gun, even if it doesn't fire, and that doesn't mean that it's empty. It could simply mean that there isn't enough oxygen to fuel ratio in the chamber. I guess what happened to me is that since the potato was still in the barrel and that hairspray is a heavy gas, it all settled to the bottom, and when I hit the button, boom. So I have now learned a good lesson. Never look down the barrel or the rear opening of the gun. Another good idea would be to have some parental supervision as well. I was by myself and didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, I think those are all really good ideas. Another one was submitted by an anonymous user. It goes, a couple of years ago, when I was 17, my brother and I decided to make a potato cannon. Now, I'm betting a little bit about regional dialect here. We used a 4-inch by 3-foot combustion chamber and a 3-inch by 8-foot barrel that was interchangeable with smaller barrels, but they're less fun. For ignition, we used a flint igniter for Coleman lanterns because they're only $3 compared to 15 for a piezoelectric grill igniter. Unfortunately, we could not find any potatoes that were large enough to launch, so we bought a few rutabagas instead. They would weighed in at about three pounds apiece. On our first launch ever, we filled the chamber with eight seconds of Aussie hairspray. Believe it or not, that's actually the optimum amount. We figured that out later through trial and error. Hit the igniter and sent the rutabaga so far over the lake that we were at that we couldn't see where it landed. An hour later, one of my cousins got back on his jet ski and said that he had just helped the dude out of a sinking rowboat. The roar said a flying vegetable, he didn't know it was a rutabaga, had blown a hole in the bottom of his boat. Now that was close. There's more to this story, however. Later that day, we figured out how to launch pop cans using newspaper as a plug to seal the barrel. We decided, using our knowledge as physics, to calculate the muzzle velocity by timing the amount of time the cam was in the air. After filling the pop cam with water, we launched it straight up. A little over eight seconds later, it landed on a decorative stone about a foot away from me, shattering the stone. We later calculated the velocity to be about 33 meters per second, or 75 miles per hour. That was one sweet cannon. And I'll have to say that guy got really lucky twice in one day. If you like these stories, there's lots more like them on spudtech.com under stories. And if you are now interested in spud guns, I highly recommend building one. So, 
This has been another informational and exciting episode of Hacker Public Radio. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.